All Things Conceivable, a surrogacy podcast with Nazca Fontes. Welcome. This is Nazca Fontes, founder and CEO of Conceivabilities, and I welcome you to today's podcast. We have a terrific show with two amazing women in our surrogacy sisterhood. But before we get started, I just wanted to connect with you on a personal level and just reflect a little bit on our day and our time together in this upcoming episode. You know, there's a lot going on, as we all know, in the world today, in particular, as we wait for some of the holidays to unfold before us, there's some anxiety and nervousness and stress that we're all feeling. But what's really nice is this time together with our Conceivabilities podcast allows us to showcase things that are heartwarming, that are meaningful, that are a little bit provocative and thought provoking and allows us to spend that time uh, away from the daily stressors that we're all encountering today. What's really important to know is that when women answer the calling, it's to uh, come to us in a very profound way to help another embark on the joy of becoming a family. And surrogates in particular join our community with the understanding that they are bonded through a like-minded perception of what it is to be a surrogate and how to help another family uh, become a family through the joy of surrogacy. So on today's episode of the Surrogate Sisterhood, we welcome two real-life surrogates and two real-life sisters who have joined together to become surrogates in our community. So welcome, Jesse, and welcome, Maggie. Thanks so much. They are two surrogates who are also sisters in real life. Jesse, Jesse, you're a mom of two, and you're a two-time surrogate with Conceivabilities. And Maggie, you are embarking on your first journey with Conceivabilities. Maggie, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I've had um, I've had quite a journey so far. It's been about a year, but yeah, this is technically one big, long, exciting journey. Let me start actually first with Jesse. Uh, you were the first sister to become a surrogate. And Jesse, if I understand correctly, you are actually uh, a little tongue-in-cheek. You are in recovery right now, having just delivered your second Sero baby. Is that correct? I am. I am about four weeks postpartum. So you had the unique perspective of actually going through a surrogacy journey during uh, this pandemic, right? So you were cloistered and in quarantine for most of it. Yes, we did experience the whole thing through through and through. So what's what's interesting, Jesse, is that having delivered two Soro babies, um, you have had the perspective of working with two unique families. And what I would love to do is first talk about how you first came to be aware of the idea of surrogacy, and then also what finally put you over that, that um, decision-making line to become a surrogate with conceivabilities. So first, let's talk about um, when you first became aware of the idea of surrogacy. Honestly, I don't have much of an idea of how the idea initially came to me. I remember it being um, well before my first um, child was born. And at that time, there wasn't a lot of information on surrogacy. Um, I think, honestly, the the things that kind of struck the nerve with the idea to look into surrogacy more was probably based around um, some little like hints and taps within um, the media as far as like TV shows. Um, I know that 
Friends has an episode where one of the main characters is a surrogate, and I was a, an avid Friends watcher. But aside from that, I have no real recollection. It was almost just, like, something that was produced uh, in in my head over the course of um, my adolescence, I guess you could say, or prior to actually having a baby. But at that time, not having been pregnant or giving birth, um, I didn't really think too much into it at the time. I kind of just set it on the back burner. Um, and then... Once I had my my first child and realized how much I loved being pregnant, and I don't want to say how easy pregnancy was, but I had an easier time with pregnancy than I think the average. I um, that's when I pretty much said I was all in and I was going to go forward and kind of do some more research on surrogacy and how to go about being a surrogate. So when you first shared this idea with some of your family members, and in particular Maggie, I would love to know, Maggie, when you first heard Jess's idea that she wanted to be a surrogate, what was your reaction? Um, I think I had a really similar reaction um, as a lot of people. Uh, I, I wanted to know why she wanted to do this. I wanted to know what it, what it looked like. And I was really curious about the impact on her, um, specifically, um, how it would impact her emotionally, physically. Um, and, and I didn't really have a, a whole lot of information to go off of. Um, so I started asking her the same questions that a lot of people maybe don't feel as comfortable asking a surrogate, you know, when they find out that that's a path that they're exploring or going down. And I didn't really have any of those hesitations because Jessie is my sister. So I could just go ahead and ask them all. And Jessie, Jessie, when you, you know, pivoted and asked your husband what his thoughts were, tell me about that reaction. He didn't at the time know really what surrogacy meant um, and kind of jumped down the barrel of, well, why would you do that? Um, and after some explanation of, of what surrogacy actually meant in this, in this day and age um, and that, you know, I'm not genetically involved, he was much more open to the idea. So I think having a conversation about it uh, definitely helped him understand what the difference between kind of what I call like the old school surrogacy um, between the difference between that and like a gestational carrier. So Jesse, then when you had to explain to your husband that it wasn't traditional surrogacy, but rather a gestational carrier situation, I think it would be great for our listeners to understand the difference because that is one of the myths that swirl around surrogacy as it's practiced today. So would you mind clarifying exactly what a gestational carrier does? Sure. So a gestational carrier is just a woman who carries a baby that's not genetically related to them. They're um, hosting someone else's egg and sperm or donor egg and sperm even, um, but that they are not um, genetically involved. They're pretty much... Uh, just the oven, as most like to say in the surrogacy world. 
And so Maggie, let me ask you the same question. When you presented the idea of being a gestational carrier to your husband, what was his reaction? Um, we had already really talked about it through Jesse's experience. So we had secondhand seen, um, you know, all of the questions that we had asked. Jesse or I specifically had asked her come to fruition, right? So um, you go into surrogacy uh, with an open mind, for sure. Um, you have some expectations, and then I was just curious if those expectations were met for Jesse and and how her experience was. So we got to see firsthand Jesse's experience, and it was an overall. Um, incredible experience for her and it wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of concerns that I had that actually actually came to fruition so um, only only a lot of positives so when we had talked about it you know he he was pretty supportive I had a pretty easy pregnancy um, I enjoy being you mean pregnant. with your own children. Yeah, is that correct? An easy pregnancy with your own children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't have a really difficult time being pregnant. Um, you're exhausted a lot, but you know, you're you're creating a human. So, um, so yeah, he was he was curious, and we talked about it. Um, we, you know, ourselves. We are exploring the option of adoption, um, you know, and specifically the idea of adopting a baby with special needs, specifically Down syndrome. So we had been thinking about adoption for quite some time, and I just had gotten a lot of, um, you know, kind of like half-jokingly really sweet questions from my friends who were having some challenges conceiving you know um, they maybe knew that Jesse was a surrogate and had seen me during my pregnancies and had jokingly been like well would you be a surrogate for me and I I really thought about that and I didn't hesitate for a second in um, you know thinking, absolutely, I would 100%, if this was a real and genuine um, question, I would absolutely carry a baby for you. So if I would carry a baby for one of my friends, why would I not carry a baby for someone that I just didn't know yet? Um, and it would also help us and support us in our... Um, you know, if I'm carrying a baby for someone else and I, I would like to adopt, you know, in theory, I'm asking somebody to carry a baby for me so that, you know, I can adopt at one point in my life. So, you know, Jesse, I'd love to ask you, you know, when you started on this journey, I'm sure you had a set of expectations, right? Can you point to any part in your, either of your journeys where those heightened expectations were diminished and you experienced either a setback or some disappointment along the way? Um, I would say that my first journey was uh, very smooth. Um, I think I also went into the whole process with an open mind and an understanding that timing and, like you said, expectations um, 
really wouldn't be met to 100%. And I think having a laid back personality kind of helped with the idea that timing um, might not have worked out the way that I wanted it to. Um, but I did have an idea of what the whole experience would look like and um, being matched with uh, uh, intended parent that was of like mind and like personality that worked out well. Um, and then later into the journey, I think my, at least my birthing experience, I had kind of picked out almost in my head, like having a birth plan for any parent. Um, and that specifically didn't go as planned. Um, my birthing experience ended up being much sooner than anyone had anticipated. Uh, there were also some little kind of glitches, you could call them along the way as far as, um, I don't want to say they were pregnancy complications, very common. Um, things like placenta previa was um, discovered early on that ended up um, transferring to a low-laying placenta. Um, so my idea of having a normal, I don't want to say a normal, but a um, healthy a vaginal birth um, kind of went out the window at that point. Um, the likelihood of having a c-section was becoming more and more eminent. And my vision of the whole birthing process um, towards the end of that journey was that I was hoping that I could have this vaginal birth and be able to see my intended parent's face as uh, her baby was born and and kind of witness that whole wrapped up in a present uh, experience of handing over somebody's baby for the first time. Um, that didn't go as planned and I kind of had to adjust to that. Um, while I did get most of that experience with the C-section, I didn't get kind of what my mind was playing out um, from the beginning. Um, but luckily I did end up having that experience with my second journey. Um, so overall, I do agree there are a ton of things that you can't put on a timeline and say this is going to happen at this point and this is when, you know, our transfer is going to be and this is when the baby's going to be born. Overall, I've had probably a, a better experience than than I would have expected um, in terms of being thrown for a loop. So you mentioned something interesting, and, and that was um, talking about the timing, right? The timing being right. And, you know, tell me a little bit about when you were thinking about being a surrogate. You know, you early in our conversation today, you, you really didn't have an exact pinpoint um, moment when you had that, aha, I need to be, I want to be, I can be a surrogate. But certainly the timing in your life played a factor, knowing when the time was right. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about when you felt that that time was right? I know that my son was four months old <laughs> when, when I decided this is, this is what I want to do. I know for sure that I wanted to be a surrogate. Um, and that's when I probably that same day jumped on my phone or a computer and started researching some agencies that actually led me to conceivabilities. Um, 
but that was definitely after I had had my son, I had experienced the pregnancy, I had experienced the delivery and the birth and kind of that first few months of having a, a baby to take care of and whatnot and was kind of back on that train of I would like to be pregnant again. Like I could I could do pregnancy again at this point and I I definitely was more on the surrogacy um, path in my head than, than thinking about, you know, do I have my another baby of my own? So timing um, plays a huge role in um, where you are in your own life versus where your plan for surrogacy lies. And Maggie, for, for you and your family, when we think about the timing um, you know, it's one thing to have the motivation and to answer the call. And of course, it's another thing to think about the very real logistics of being a surrogate for another family and how that impacts your day-to-day -day life. Can you speak to any timing issues that you had to think through and, and decide on when you were wondering whether or not the time was right for you and your family? Yeah. Um, so we when I had really started thinking of it as an option for me, I had had our second son, um, and um, my work is pretty flexible as a therapist. Um, I only work part-time because it is such an emotionally intense um, job that I really try and create a lot of boundaries around um, how much I'm working and in what capacity I'm working. So I give myself a lot of space for creative outlets and have made that um, another part-time job. Um, and so I was spending a lot of time with my kids and my family and I had really great work-life balance and I felt like I was in a really great emotional space. I felt like my relationship was supportive and safe. Um, and so I felt like, you know, we weren't planning on a travel as a big, a big piece, right? You can't really be traveling all over the world um, when you're a surrogate, um, which is something that we love to do. We love to travel. But with our kids being so young, it felt like a really good time to be able to take a break um, from the things that, you know, we are looking forward to do to being able to, you know, engage in, um, in doing something for someone else. And there's definitely sacrifices you have to make, um, but we were really okay with all of those. So tell me, can you explain what you mean by some sacrifices that you had to make in order to undergo the surrogacy process? Yeah. So, um, like, if we wanted to go to our friend's wedding in Berlin, right, um, people get engaged and then their weddings pop up and you're like, oh, I won't, I won't be able to go there. Um, you know, obviously, like you have lifestyle changes, like if you like to enjoy wine with your friends on the weekend, you're not going to drink wine anymore, which you're not going to do in any of your pregnancies, except that this time, you know, you're doing something for the purpose of somebody else, um, not your own family development. Um, and you're just really being mindful of 
um, your exposure to, um, I work uh, in furniture restoration, so needing to take a break from, you know, using some chemicals or really making sure that I'm not exposing myself or um, th this uh, baby to anything that would be harmful. Um, and you do have some travel restrictions inside the U.S. too. You can't go to certain states. Not every state um, is accommodating to surrogates. So you also so you're, you're saying there that if you if you travel during your pregnancy or particularly late in your pregnancy, Maggie, right, and you happen yeah. to be in a state that was not surrogacy friendly and gave birth prematurely, mm -hmm. that that state would not recognize the surrogacy. Just so our uh, listeners understand mm -hmm. what you're referring absolutely to, right. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Other than other than that, I mean, it didn't feel like there were too many sacrifices it's just a lot of um coordinating back and forth um you know we wanted to go home for for christmas for a month probably is not gonna be we're not gonna be as flexible in our lives as we were before um and as we were with our own pregnancies right like we could shift doctor's appointments around we we only had us to consider when you're a surrogate, you do have to consider a whole other family, and so there's there's really, you know, there's there's three of you in this pregnancy, mm -hmm. right? To a certain yeah. degree, there's there's your family unit, there's mm -hmm. the child, and then there's the intended parents, mm -hmm. and you you illustrate a great point of having really to take their their needs into consideration. I'd love to to hear a little bit more about your relationship with your intended parents. Conceivability did an amazing job in connecting us. Um, I honestly didn't know if I would be connected to a family very quickly because we did have a lot of um, our own personal, um, I guess, requirements. You go through a pretty lengthy um, process of what what value system your family holds and matching those with a with a family that um, you're gonna be a surrogate for um, when we got matched with our family um, we had an initial meeting and we hit it off really well um, I you know you can usually tell within the first few minutes few seconds even if you're clicking and connecting and I really did feel very connected um, to them and it just came together where I felt like our values really aligned and um, we have an excellent relationship where we're able to communicate um, and we're able to support each other, but we also have our own supports in place as well so that if we're struggling, we don't necessarily need to come um, and lean on each other for that full support, right? We need to have that space to be able to um, uh, be supported by other family and friends in our lives and be able to come back together um, and uh, kind of think through the next steps and uh, what our journey has been. Um, so our relationship um, has been 
a really great experience for me. We're two different people in different parts of the world coming together um, for this one goal and one purpose that we're both really passionate about. And I respect their grit and tenacity to, um, to have a family and that that takes a lot of um, resilience to go through. And it takes a lot of trust, right? I mean, what you've just outlined is really remarkable. Not only are you coming together for this one common incredible goal, but all the moving pieces and parts while also remaining separate but together are really important. They're, they're absolutely requires a great deal of trust between the two of you. And I love how you've really demonstrated how it, it can be close without being overwhelming and, and, you know, or even smothering, if you will, there, there's right. a, a delicate balance that must be achieved. Right. You're not necessarily enmeshed in each other's lives. You know, you, ha you still have those boundaries, but it is, you're, you're gravitating around this one mission that you both feel, um, you know, you both can have trust in each other that you come, you come with, with great purpose, um, and intention. And so keeping that the center of everything. Well, Jesse, I mean, you have had the, the opportunity now to work with two families and have two distinct relationships built. Why don't we start with the first journey? The first journey was greatly successful in that um, the relationship that I had with my intended mother was very laid back and very easy. She was not uh, overbearing or overwhelming. She was very go with the flow. Um, we had very similar personalities, both being semi-introvert. Um, she was uh, of an older, she wasn't old by any means. She was an older generation than I, than I am. So there was a, a bigger age gap um, there that, that may have um, kept us from having a closer, more personal relationship. Um, but it definitely didn't hinder our relationship by any, any means. I think that it, it was meant to be the way that it was. Um, so we had a great relationship where we could talk and we could be open and she was very um, willing to make sure that everything that was going on through the journey was comfortable for me and that she always uh, kind of reminded me of how grateful she was and how thankful. And so she was very sweet natured. Um, and we just, I mean, we had a good uh level of communication where we chatted when we needed to but we weren't neither one of us felt um you know this urge to uh be overly communicative um so we could just kind of go through our daily life and um just hold the relationship to where it was naturally and to this day we still uh will text back and forth in regards to, you know, birthdays and holidays, and she'll send me pictures, um, updating me on how, how the baby I delivered what is doing, and, um, 
obviously birthday pictures and stuff like that. And so we do have a very positive relationship even now. Um, for my second journey, it was kind of one of those feelings that I, I thought it was such a great first experience. How am I going to top this? Like, how is it going to get any better than, than what I just experienced? Um, and somehow it played the part um, and kept up. And the second journey the family that I was matched with, um, we connected on an even closer level, which I kind of was hoping for this time around just to have a slightly different experience. Um, so this couple was... When, and when you say, Jess, a, a, a different experience, just a, a more of a closeness, like a personal closeness? Um, just all around a different, like the first journey, the... Um, intended mom had already had a baby so she was she was already a mom so I had delivered her second baby Um, so going into Mm -hmm. a second journey there were some specifics that I kind of was leaning more towards um, having uh, intended parents that that were um, first-time parents so that I could have that um, excitement of the firsts with them Um, the other difference being that this the second journey involved a couple versus the first journey just being a single mom. Um, so that the experience between myself and my husband would also have, there would be a difference there um, in regards to my husband having somebody to connect with through the journey versus just kind of him being almost like the third wheel and me and the intended mom from the first journey having more of that connection. Um, So the second journey, when I kind of laid out what I was hoping for and what I was looking for in the experience as a whole, there were some differences in my preferences. Um, So the the, uh, couple from the second journey were definitely a younger, they were, they're more our age. Um, and we ended up having a lot more in common than we thought we would have. And we ended up being very close, um, and talking quite frequently. It was still a very natural experience as far as the development of the relationship. Nothing really felt forced, but I think it just, it landed the way that it did just because we had more in common. We didn't have like, uh, a bigger age gap where there was more to talk about outside of surrogacy. So we kind of became friends very quickly. Um, and it kind of felt like we had been friends before we even went through this whole process. Like we had known each other prior to being connected through conceivabilities. Um, so it was a very different experience. They were both, I think, equally great. Um, just very different and very positive. Um, and again, after delivering this baby, uh, for the the second journey, we still have a great relationship. We still talk, uh, frequently and get updates and stuff like that. So both of the process, both of the journeys themselves through the process of everything has been greatly, uh, positive. And what would what about your husband? Would he would he say that he had uh, more involvement 
this time around? Oh, for sure. He and the intended father definitely connected um, through the second journey. Um, Even just little things like going out to lunch. Um, We ended up for the transfer going up a few days early to where they live um, and spending a day or two with them before the embryo transfer. And just things like that, the experience of just kind of it almost being like two couples that were friends prior to any of this surrogacy uh, part, it just felt very like that's how it was before, um, that we had known them the whole time. Um, So he definitely connected on a much different level than the first journey, and just with the pure fact that there was a man, <laughs> another guy that he could kind of connect with and and um, have this experience with uh, through the whole process and kind of just someone else becoming a dad um, and him being being present and and having somebody to bond with too outside of just me and the intended mom and Jesse. Knowing what your motivation was behind your two successful journeys, I'd, I'd love for you to share with our listeners the moment that you delivered, you know, that first Sero baby and, and, you know, bringing that moment to your intended mother. Well, I think if you ask any surrogate, their most uh, exciting or their the the moment they're most looking forward to is probably their answer is probably going to be delivery day um i think part of the motivation in being a surrogate is that pure gift of handing a baby over at the end of of this whole whether it's nine month journey or whether it's a two-year journey um or longer maybe And at the end of the day, being able to hand this baby over and be able to see the look on um, your intended parents' faces as they, you know, receive their new gift of life and and whatnot. So the first journey uh, with the baby being born via C-section I still had a semblance of that experience as far as um, being able to give the intended mom or her baby at, at the end of the the delivery and the, the C-section, but there was some aspect that was missing to that in the sense that it's not exactly the same experience as having a vaginal birth and being able to hand your baby over in that sense. So since I had experienced both between the two journeys, the experience as a whole, just being able to witness the pure joy and contentment on your um, intended parents' faces when they see their baby for the first time is pretty much indescribable. Yeah, I just feel like there's these moments in your life that I, I never really experienced before kids. And it's almost that saying when your heart skips a beat, And sometimes when you look at your children and they do something, whether it's small, you know, it could be the tiniest thing or they say something or they're 
they're the moment they're born like your your body physically has this experience where you feel like your heart just skipped a beat you know and i i think you know you get to watch someone's heart literally just melt right there um and what what an amazing experience to be able to be in the presence of that and have something to do with it so maggie what might be one thing that you would advise to a potential surrogate? I would really, you know, what is the motivation, right? We have to really be a, bring some awareness into our intentions. Um, and, and what if, you know, and our motivations, right? So if it doesn't work out according to plan, you know, are you gonna be okay with that? You know, are you, okay with going along on an actual journey so if we're if we're entering into something with a set of expectations those expectations it's either going to meet beyond that expectation or there's a cap there's a possibility that those expectations are not going to be met at all so do you have the supports in place? Do you have the coping skills to be able to manage um, an intense emotional experience? Um, and again, like what is your, what's your motivation? If you're able to answer all of those questions confidently, then I don't think that you're gonna have a bad experience. You're gonna learn something one way or another and you're gonna have growth in one outcome or another. Well, ladies, this has been a wonderful time spent together and sharing your stories. And what resonates for me most is that, you know, two members of our Conceivability Surrogate Sisterhood are two sisters in real life who have embarked on um, an amazing journey in life. And I think that it's important to know, uh, for anybody listening, that a shared mindset in our surrogate community is this sense that surrogates can never imagine life without their own family. They can't imagine folks who yearn and dream and try for years to create their own family could possibly never have that dream become a reality. And so for the two of you, you really do embody um, that sisterhood and that, that uh, shared identity of being a surrogate and answering that calling. And at the end of the day, it really is a demonstration that family is everything. And for us at Conceivabilities, this really is a reflection of all of our good work together. So Jess, Maggie, thank you for your time spent with me today. Take good care during these times and be safe. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. So listening to Jess and Maggie today uh, really reaffirmed something that's enduring and that's strong and that really matters at Conceivabilities and matters for the surrogacy journey as a whole. And that is that the surrogate sisterhood is a strong, uh, very tight bond. It's a network. It's a calling. And as these two sisters in real life demonstrated, it's a legacy that leaves behind something that's profound and remarkable for the clients who trust in the process and, and trust in the surrogates themselves. 
You know what was actually really interesting? I, I would say that what, what was, and this is something that I know, but Jess really brought it home again in a way that was new and, and unique, and that is for surrogates who work with single moms in particular. I think that this notion of a husband being or a partner being a third wheel is really something that's not pr brought into perspective very often and that there's a real benefit to working with, with a couple if the, the husband or partner of the surrogate is really looking for a greater role in the surrogacy journey. So thank you for listening today on our podcast at Conceivabilities, and I hope you join us for our upcoming episodes. And if you'd like to listen and hear more about our surrogacy sisterhood, please follow us to our website at conceivabilities.com. Until next time, take care. At Conceivabilities, we believe everyone who wants to become a parent can. Our agency has helped build thousands of families for nearly 25 years. Whether you are an intended parent ready to fulfill your family destiny, a surrogate answering your calling, or an egg donor wanting to expand what's possible in your life, we are your people. See how matching matters. Join our Surrogacy Learning Center online community at conceivabilities.com to learn more.